0: Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It is a massive, it is a sensational episode 200. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I'm so pleased and proud that we have got to number show 200 in the Moonshots podcast. Can you believe it? It is one big number and it has this weird time dimension space warp, whereas it feels like, yeah, we've been doing this for ages, but geez, we're already at 200. It is so exciting uh, to be launching into our next centenary mark. I mean, how good is this? Yeah, you're right. In just another couple of years,
1: uh, depending on how quickly we can churn out our shows, we'll be up to number 300. That's the (laughs) next uh, milestone for us. So that's very, very exciting, isn't it?
0: It is. And we have chosen a very fitting and appropriate topic for an anniversary, a centennial show, haven't we? That's right. Today, listeners and subscribers,
1: we are digging into the man, the myth, the legend, a very, very moonshot
0: individual. President John F. Kennedy. The big Kahuna Burger himself. And we are zeroing in on one moment. In fact, just 13 days, aren't we, Mike? That's right. We are digging
1: into, with JFK, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was an event that took place in October of 1962. And, Mike, as we're going to find out in today's show, it was one of, if not the most dangerous, and uh, on a knife edge moment for the population of America as well as let's say the world that was all in one man's
0: hands oh my gosh the, we cannot overstate for the history buffs of the show uh, you you will all appreciate this but for those of you who have kind of heard about cuban missile crisis i think we just need to put this one moment in perspective because it generated some of the best leadership lessons ever And the reason was, over the course of 13 days, Russia, the Soviet Union, and the United States of America had everything ready to launch nuclear missiles. It was confirmed that Russia had nuclear missiles just 90 miles away from Florida, sitting in Cuba, and people were going crazy. And over the course of 13 days, JFK led the world away from a nuclear holocaust, a nuclear crisis. And he just demonstrated some of the greatest leadership that we have seen. And if if he had not done that, there's not a single person listening to this podcast that wouldn't be living life a little bit differently. Mm. So, this moment, Mark, it deserves a lot of study. Uh, it deserves the moonshots lens and we have to ask ourselves, what can we learn? And JFK, Mark, he, we can learn so much from him because not only did he do what I think is just exceptional leadership throughout the Cuban Missile Crisis, but he achieved so much in life, didn't he? I mean, for, for such a short life, he burnt bright, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. I mean, as you say, if we can make
1: the case to our listeners around how important this one event was for us, not only in the past, but also in the present, what's amazing is how much he also achieved. I mean, first of all, John F. Kennedy was the youngest ever elected president of the United States, which is amazing. Not bad. He took the U.S. economy.
0: 43, 43, and you're running the world. Oh, exactly. Okay. can imagine.
1: And maybe it's probably not the situation I want to be, Mike, in a, in a few years time when I reach 43. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, depending on how successful Moonshots continues to be. Uh, he, he, JFK also managed to take the US economy out of recession through a lot of the reforms that he put in place. He also just did this little thing called the Peace Corps that he established in 1961. So a year
0: prior to the Cuban Missile Crisis. And and Uh, let's um, be honest, Mark, already at that point, you're like, wow, gee, that's a lot to have got (laughs) done. What a great legacy. But it continues. I mean, he led us away from nuclear war. Uh, He then created subsequently uh, nuclear test treaties, so he, like, calmed the whole thing down with the Cold War. Oh, and just to bring it home, Mark, he passed uh, legislation that protected the rights of African-Americans And he's still not finished, is he? He still decided that he had more to
1: give the world. He was then responsible for the Equal Pay Act one year later after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, Mike, I mean, already within just the first few minutes of the show, we haven't even got into any of the clips. I'm counting (laughs) six or seven major items and areas that JFK, Along with his team, of course, but as a figurehead and a personal individual, managed to spearhead and bring to light, and fundamentally, every single one of those things have impacted the way that we live our lives every day, haven't they? It's
0: uh, it's quite the uh, curriculum vitae, as they say. So now, what we want to do is we want to transport ourselves and you, our members and our listeners. We want to take you to a very specific moment in time where things are heating up. So the Bay of Pigs fiasco has happened and we are going to play you the address from President John F. Kennedy to the world. And he is saying and heralding this moment of, oh my goodness, we have a problem.
2: Good evening, my fellow citizens. This government, as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Only last Thursday, as evidence of this rapid offensive buildup was already in my hand, Soviet Foreign Minister Gromyko told me in my office that he was instructed to make it clear once again, as he said his government had already done, that Soviet assistance to Cuba, and I quote, pursued solely the purpose of contributing to the defense capabilities of Cuba, unquote. That, and I quote him, training by Soviet specialists of Cuban nationals in handling defensive armaments was by no means offensive. And that if it were otherwise, Mr. Gamiko went on, the Soviet government would never become involved in rendering such assistance, unquote. That statement also was false. Acting, therefore, in the defense of our own security, and of the entire Western Hemisphere, and under the authority entrusted to me by the Constitution, as endorsed by the resolution of the Congress, I have directed that the following initial steps be taken immediately. To halt this offensive buildup, a strict quarantine on all offensive military equipment under shipment to Cuba is being initiated. All ships of any kind bound for Cuba, from whatever nation or port, Will they found to contain cargoes of offensive weapons be turned back? Shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States, requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union? I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to haul and eliminate this clandestine, reckless and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. I call upon him further to abandon this course of world domination and to join in an historic effort to end the perilous arms race and to transform the history of man. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Not peace at the expense of freedom, but both peace and freedom here in this hemisphere. And we hope around the world, God willing, that goal will be achieved.
1: Mike, again, we are making the case here for an individual, a man who's in a situation and a place of power, addressing the world on fundamentally something that is going to have a potentially really negative, life-changing, almost world-destroying impact. And he's here in this very testing moment, Mm. this political difficult balance where he's got to demonstrate the strength of America, the might of America, but at the same time, approach it with a peaceful intention and a desire to try and get them away from such a violent situation. And he does, he, he, you can hear it there. He's calm, he's collected I think there's a lot that we can learn, and we will throughout the rest of the show from JFK with regards to how to interact and deal with pressure, with maybe criticism, as well as uh, the desire to avoid creating a situation that you can't come back from.
0: I know. It's, uh, I mean, the stakes are just so high. And even today, you can just imagine the situation if you're in London and someone says, yeah, we've got nukes uh, in, uh, I don't know, Dover or or, or Calais uh, pointing at your country, that's what it would be like. That's like New Zealand saying to Australia, hey, we got the nukes. We're ready to go. I mean, this happened. This was so, the stakes were so damn high. And what he said in that speech is, I want to make an invitation to finding peace and freedom. Mm. Now, a lot of people would have been tempted to say, yeah, you want to go? Right, let's have it. But he actually kept his cool. So what we're going to hear now is a bit of a breakdown and an analysis of exactly what he was trying to do. And I really want to invite all of our listeners to ask themselves how, just imagine the pressure And then how did JFK do this? How did he really find and how did he navigate uh, between all the conflicting interests? How did he find a path when everything was at stake? So let's have a listen now to Wes O'Donnell talking about keeping calm under pressure.
3: For 13 days in October of 1962, the world was brought to the brink of nuclear war. On October 14, 1962, an American U-2 spy plane photographed an SS-4 Soviet medium-range ballistic missile being assembled on the island nation of Cuba. Soviet-made medium-range ballistic missiles placed only 90 miles from the coast of Florida gave the Soviets an incredible first-strike capability. Kennedy and his team could not allow the Soviets to place nuclear weapons this close to the US sphere of influence, not just for strategic reasons, but for political ones as well. Kennedy was gonna have no chance of re-election in 1964 if he didn't stand up in the face of Soviet aggression. For its part, the Soviet Union had just watched the failed invasion of Cuba, now called the Bay of Pigs fiasco, and Premier of the Soviet Union, Nikita Khrushchev, reasoned that by placing nuclear missiles in Cuba, that might deter future U.S. aggression on the island. As a leader, Kennedy and his executive committee were under intense pressure. The Joint Chiefs were attempting to pressure Kennedy into an invasion of the island of Cuba, a full-scale U.S.-led invasion. Kennedy reasoned, though, that a full U.S. invasion would end up killing the Soviet soldiers on the island who were assembling the missiles. Killing Soviet soldiers might have resulted in a full-scale shooting war with the Soviet Union and perhaps nuclear Armageddon. Kennedy rejected the Joint Chiefs invasion. Instead, he kept a more measured approach and decided on a blockade or a quarantine of the island of Cuba by the U.S. Navy to prevent more nuclear weapons from reaching the island. In addition, he set out an ultimatum to nikita khrushchev that the missiles that are currently on the island need to be removed immediately the blockade worked and the soviet union and the united states came to an agreement that the united states would never attempt to invade cuba again and the soviet union would remove the missiles from cuba also kennedy agreed to the removal of u.s missiles that were based in turkey However, at that point, they were obsolete and out of date. Now, we can learn several key lessons from Kennedy's handling of the Cuban Missile Crisis that you can use in your everyday life, namely keeping calm under pressure. First, stay calm and remain fearless. See the situation as a challenge, not a crisis. Second, focus on the goal and keep it simple. Find order in the chaos and have clarity of thought. Third. Learn to deal with ambiguity. Most people don't respond well to the unknowns. Teach yourself to become more adaptable and respond to events objectively rather than emotionally. And finally, delegate what you can. You don't have to control everything. In Kennedy's case, he had his brother, then Attorney General Robert Kennedy, take a note directly over to the Soviet ambassador Uh, stating that we were going to remove our missiles from Turkey, sealing the deal.
1: This is a great clip from Wes O'Donnell, really Mm. now getting into the meat, I think, Mike, of today's show, which is what we can learn from the actions of JFK. And what I want to call out is this input that he was receiving from his advisors that encouraged JFK to go and invade the island. exactly, But JFK, instead of the natural, what what I I would claim would be the natural response, which is, okay, you're right. I've got campaigns coming up. I need to show that I'm a powerful leader, uh, that I can control my team instead of naturally jumping into the first response, which I think would naturally be violence. Instead, he he was measured and he reasoned with them. Mm. And I think that's a
0: key lesson there, isn't it? It is, but can you imagine how important detachment would have been from the situation? Mm. Because if you, like, let's, let's actually think like, the, well, let's take a thinking path that would have been tempting for JFK. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm president of the biggest country, most powerful country on the planet. Um, I've got the nukes, I can press the button. It's basically the fate of humanity. Mm. billions of people is on resting upon my decision to press a button, yes or no. If you were to actually look at that from an emotional perspective, I think that would totally overwhelm you, Mm. right? Because I want you to think about, Mark, what happens when you're thinking about making a a decision Mm. for you and your wife, let's move to Australia. That must have felt massive right the stakes really big lots of discussions restless sleepless nights do we don't we and that's just an opportunity to enjoy something in life Mm. now i want you to understand what jfk had to deal with or could potentially have fallen victim to which is oh my gosh the lives of millions of people forget just your own life which would be overwhelming enough it's the lives of millions of people that are really contingent to my decision if you process that emotionally as a human very quickly it just totally overwrites the system and overwhelms you you can't think straight after that can you no absolutely not and when, when i've had decisions
1: similar to uh moving you know abroad changing something significant in my lifestyle uh, or my career it's always something that feels a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? It might not be in the same realm of JFK standing on the world stage, but sometimes it does feel like a mini crisis. Yes. And what I think we can learn from JFK's response, reaction, and actions through this this speech that he did, as well as the quarantine that he placed around Cuba, is being able to be, let's say, simple-minded just breaking it down into those small bite-sized chunks. Mm. What's the truth here? What's the impact? How am I going to uh, get a new job? Or how would I deal with family being in another country? Rather than trying to tackle a big problem that maybe you have at work or in life as one unachievable mountain to go and climb. Instead, it's thinking, right, what's step one? And what is what is the action that I have to take? And what is the impact that that might lead me to? And I think this is where we're starting to understand JFK's decision-making ability. I think we're really hearing, and I think the lesson that we can take from it is being able to to deal with that ambiguity, not knowing what might happen, Mm. but still being calm and thinking, okay, well, if that did happen, maybe I could go out and learn a new way of dealing with something. Maybe I just need to figure out how to do taxes in another country, or I just need to have a conversation with a colleague or a, or a client it's breaking it down into, I think it's, it's simplest form. Wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, what strikes me as you were talking there is it's really about finding the capability to take the emotion out of a decision because that can be very dangerous. Um, And I think the way we can do that is detachment. Mm. So what I love to do is try and look at important decisions as an opportunity to, I always think about it, playing it like chess. Another technique a lot of people use is imagine that you are thinking about the problem on behalf of somebody else. Imagine Mm. somebody else is in that situation. How would you advise them? That's nice. It's a really powerful way to do it because I think the temptation is when you think about a decision through your own personal lens and allow too much emotion into this process, emotion blurs your capacity to what we just heard then, which was thinking clearly. Mm. So, what was happening is JFK had, and we're going to learn a lot more about this, he was asking himself, Well, what happens if we invade? And he was like, that just looks really bad. That just looks like if we make that decision, we are definitely heading down uh, a path of absolute Armageddon. Mm. So he was like, I don't really want to go down that path. He was also trying to think of, well, how do I create a situation where the guy on the other side of the table has a legitimate way out so I can diffuse it? You've heard many people talking about, What's happening in the Ukraine, a lot of people are trying to propose ways that how can Putin exit this with, with some sort of win, like people are looking to, and it's actually based on the Cuban Missile Crisis, if you can give a way for Putin to walk away, um, that he gets some sort of small win and it ends the war, this might be a path to resolution. What you see JFK is doing here is he's showing some empathy for Nikita Khrushchev. He's like, oh, my gosh, this guy, he can't appear weak to the people of the Soviet Union. He's got to look strong to the party as well. Mm. So how can I create a situation? So he dispatched his brother and said, hey, by the way, we'll pull out of Turkey. And so he's setting it up so Khrushchev is like, oh, There's a way out of this. Mm. This is all from clear thinking, and I believe that what we can do when we face tough situations—and I hope they're nothing nearly as tough as Cuban (laughs) Missile Crisis—is to detach and think about who's on the other side. Detach and look at the situation. Don't rush to judgment and get all fired up. Because Mark, here's an interesting thing: when you look at the best athletes. Performing under the greatest pressure to win the world championship to win the grand final, the one characteristic they always have is they 're cold as ice hmm. because they 're keeping themselves under control, right? Mm. You never see a team that is too emotional performing in the in the real clutch moments. Because the emotions override clear thought because you're embodying the adrenaline, right? Mm. And you and don't make good decisions then, do you? No, exactly. And and this is something
1: that I've, and I'm sure many of our listeners have experienced with regards to tricky situations or conversations within a an entrepreneurial or business sense. If you receive maybe some bad news or, or the decision that you were hoping for hasn't quite gone that way or maybe there's a crisis at work and the instant reaction that I think I've certainly fallen into previously would be uh again we've spoken about it before the fight or flight moment what do I do how am I going to respond and instead of panicking and falling instantly into you know look we've all we've all done it the blame game where we perhaps blame somebody else for a situation instead we are learning from from this situation to uh, understand or appreciate the other person's point of view, Mm -hmm. where they're coming from, the situation that maybe they are dealing with. And exactly like you just said, with Khrushchev being able to step down himself, thereby not demonstrating he's weak either, both of them came to an amicable situation or a near amicable situation where both sides were essentially winners to a certain extent. And I think that's the big lesson here. Remember to be calm, collected. Uh, if you want to send that quick, frustrated email or pick up a call and, you know, yell at somebody on the phone, just calm. Think about the impact it could have, but also think about what the other person is going through. And I think that's a big lesson that we've certainly seen on the Moonshot show before, haven't we?
0: Yeah, and... uh couple of builds on that. Definitely one of the techniques that um, you want to do is when faced with um, tough decisions is don't respond too quickly mm. or even more practical still. If you get like a, a, a tough email, don't be too quick to respond. Save a draft, walk away, yes. take a breath. One of the great uh, pieces of advice that was given to one of the Caesars of Rome, which was before he made a decision, he had to say the alphabet. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Just to force him to like cool his jets a little bit. Yeah. And I think we, that's great advice for all of us because when the stakes are high, don't allow the adrenaline or your fight or flight response to take over. Like, if you can be self aware that, oh, ooh, I'm feeling a little feisty right now, probably mm. not a good time to send that email. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Look, if you are feeling feisty, though, one thing you can go and do is you could go and become a member of the Moonshots podcast, Mark. Well,
1: we've got individuals who are joining us weekly, as well as members who've been with us for over a year, Mike. And these are our Patreon members. So, as per great tradition, as we look back at the time of making good personal decisions in leadership and our lives, here are a group who have made one of the best decisions that I would say is out there, and that is our members. So please welcome Bob, Niles, John, Terry, Marjolin, Ken, and Dietmar, our annual subscribers who have been with us since the beginning of our subscription-based program as well as marjan connor rodrigo and yasmin lisa sid mr bonjour maria paul berg Kalman, david joe and crystal evo christian hurricane brain samuela kelly barbara and bob andre matthew eric abby Jose, joshua chris and kobe damien deborah lasse and steve craig lauren javier and daniel andrew Ravi, Yvette, Karen, and our brand new member, Raul. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being part of the Moonshots family.
0: Yeah, very grateful for your support and your membership. It helps us pay the bills, produce this podcast. And on our 200th anniversary, Mark, I think we should do a shout out to our producer, Bridie, who is r- responsible for so much of the content, the distribution, the packaging, the publishing of all of our work. You and I couldn't do this show without us. So I think, what do you reckon, a big shout-out for, for Brady. A big a prize to Bridie. You're
1: right. The member of the Moonshots family who we don't give enough praise and shout out to. So thank you, Bridie, for all of the continual work you do day in and day out on the Moonshots. Well, everything to do with Moonshots, in fact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the projects that that she's been running is our merch, which is now available, Mark. So where do you go if you want to get that Moonshots tee, which includes one of the t-shirts that we have Actually includes a quote from JFK, doesn't it? That's right. In fact, Mike, it, I think it's fair to say that that uh, Mr. President
1: JFK was an incredible influence on the naming of this podcast. In fact,
0: yeah, I would I would say we probably need to do a whole show on his Moonshots uh, speech, I think where so. he challenged uh, America to put a man on the moon. But the way you can get uh, to Uh, that sort of intergalactical planetary uh, bliss is going to our website and going to our merch store, right? That's right. You don't need Elon Musk's uh,
1: spaceship or anything (laughs) like that to get to the moon here. You just pop in on your phone or your browser on your desktop browser, moonshots.io, navigate over in the top bar to store and you can buy a plethora of items, t-shirts, bags, uh, mouse pads and notepads, as well as, as you say, Mike, a t-shirt with We Choose to Go to the Moon mm. by JFK in 1962.
0: Man, he, he is a chief inspirator amongst many other things for our show. And I think another inspirator for us is Ryan Holiday, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Moonshot's favorite is Ron Holiday and all of his books on stoicism. But we've got the great pleasure of hearing from Ron Holiday now, actually looking back at JFK's ability to look at these choices that he was facing, take a breath, have a pause, think about the impact, as well as preserve the way to peace.
4: Kennedy was, what was remarkable about Kennedy in that moment is he seemed to be the only person in the entire United States government at this time who was interested in thinking about what the Soviets would do in response to what the Americans would do. That was what was so alarming about the advice he was giving. They were saying, look, we got to bomb the hell out of Cuba, then we got to invade Cuba. And Kennedy was like, Well, what happens after that, right? Like, what is Russia going to do when we invade them? And it it was almost it was clear that a lot of these advisors, these generals had had actually never thought that far in advance. And what Kennedy was able to do is go, look, we got to think about what they're going to do in response to what we're going to do and then what we're going to do in response to that. And he said, it's not the first step that worries me. It's the sixth (laughs) step, because none of us are going to be around to see that and so it in deciding to do to see it that way it allowed him to then look at the immediate choices in front of him and go okay let's let's do what we think is right here that we think preserves the most options for our opponent and then not get carried away about what our secret plan is or our ultimate he was like look my main thing is i just don't want the world to be destroyed in a nuclear holocaust so i'm basically willing to do anything and everything that's going to get us to that point or prevent that from happening so When he puts in this quarantine or this blockade around Cuba, um, now, immediately, everyone is thinking, well, they're going to cross the blockade. You know, uh, now we have to attack. It was it was clear they weren't being in the present. What Kennedy was saying is, again, he's like, OK, we put this we put this into effect. Now let's wait and see how they respond to this. And and so it was this sort of slowing down this this not getting both both not being ignorant of what's going to happen in the future, but also not not fast forwarding to there that, that allows it, you know, his, his expression was let's use time as a tool, not as a couch. I think that's a very philosophical insight. You, if I told you Buddha had said that you'd, you'd <laughs> go, Oh, that's, that's, that's very profound. And, and, and that's the idea we want to use the prep. We want to use, let's say the present moment is 60 seconds. Let's use all 60 of those seconds. Right. And, and if we can do that, cumulatively, that's going to give us more time than the people who, who are, are just sort of whipping through one thing after another.
0: Well, there you go. Ryan Holiday breaking it down. It was his capacity to stand above fear. It was his capacity to be objective. And I think we heard a lot of second order thinking happening right there, which is one of our favorite mental models.
1: That's right. This was a mental model that we really dove into on the Moonshots Master Series, Episode Nine, and this idea is all around considering uh, your consequences, whether they're good or bad, or good and bad, in fact, <laughs> and then trying to make a decision based on that consideration. So, an example, Mike, might be: Do we want to do a show on JFK, the Cuban Missile Crisis, for Moonshots? The bad outcomes, oh what are we going to say? The good outcomes, he's the inspiration for the show. And gradually, maybe that's not the best example of a second order thinking, but you can see the consideration that has to go into making any sort of decision. And this is something that I've used both in my personal life, as well as a business life. And I think it's so interesting to hear Ryan Holiday really break down that mental model, that frame, and apply it towards JFK's unique situation and how he was able to utilize a, a mechanic or a method, a framework such as second-order thinking, to talk back to those uh, colleagues of his that were encouraging him to invade, as we heard earlier in with Wes O'Donnell's clip, and instead being able to reason his way towards something that was a little bit more peaceful, based on being able to look at things objectively and consider each of those outcomes.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the second-order thinking example was that everybody around Kennedy at the time was saying, invade, invade, invade. And he's like, but then what? What happens after that? And everybody else was so full of fear that they weren't seeing that that was the Rubicon. Once you invaded, then there was going to be nuclear war. And his first principle thinking, another one of our favorite uh, mental model was, we want to avoid nuclear war at all costs. That's why he was slowing things down, asking how do I give uh, Khrushchev like the option to get out of this without mm. pressing the button. Nobody else could see that. It was because he slowed down, he was rational, he didn't let his emotions take over the process, took it one step at a time always trying to give his opponent a way out in order to avoid war, which everybody was like, invade, invade, invade. And he's like, no, this this is not going to end well because he was looking at second and third order Mm. consequence. And we face these things all the time. Like if we are going to make a big change on a product or if we want to bring on new people into a team or we want to take people off uh, a team, all of those things have consequence you know one of the things that we're experiencing now on a macroeconomic basis is that because all of the federal banking systems printed so much money in covid what do we have inflation that it was a second order consequence to the printing of money mm. so what kennedy was doing is exercising his mind and saying okay if we take a path What would actually happen? And what consequences would that have on all the different stakeholders? And once those stakeholders are in that situation, what would they do after that? What would be the third consequence and fourth and so on? And where he was very clear is invasion was going to end badly. They may win. They may be victorious in the invasion itself, but... The Soviet Union had no choice but then to press the button once then, mm. and he was like i don 't want to press the button, such powerful clarity when the stakes are so high i mean i can 't even imagine what it would feel like like you would almost like i 't want to think about the con- i don 't want to think about the stakes here mm. I just want to make good decisions right
1: yeah, absolutely I mean again, I think it, to build on that, it goes back to what you were referencing a second ago with with first principles, you know there was obviously some Probably members in the room around the table, who were advising uh, JFK to invade, based on the fact that he was up for re-election, a new campaign, and so on. But instead, he he took a step back. Right. Well, yeah, we might need to look strong, but the first principle is we might create World War Three. <laughs> And having that as a, obviously that's not something that you and I probably have to deal with too much when, when we're dealing with problems in our own lives, but it's such a useful method. Again, going back to what we heard earlier uh, with uh, when you're trying to surmount a mountain and you're trying to break down problems into small bite-sized achievable chunks, it's breaking it down into that first principle. What is the real problem here? And therefore, how might I either solve it? Or avoid it? How might I, through clarity of vision and the ability to look at something very, very uh, singularly, how might I be able to respond to this rather than having reactions to a team of individuals telling me to go and do this? I've got the general public over here. Maybe I've got my own insecurities as president. I was the youngest one. All of these different aspects feeding into how one individual can make a decision. And what JFK is able to do was break it down, control it, put it within a realm that he was able to compartmentalize and react to. And in doing so, he demonstrates the, the ability to deal with that ambiguity, the ability to be calm as well as fearless rather than reactive in situations that fundamentally would could have changed the course of history.
0: Totally. And, and a really good way to think about how to get this context, you know, being present, which is like remove yourself from the situation, get feedback from others, write things down, reflect, give t- give time and space to the thinking process, don't rush. But more than anything, I think what he was able to do is despite the intensity of the moment, to think about the repercussions, Mm. consequence of his action. And I think if we are able to think about our actions more, like it reminds me of like a great way to model yourself that we talked about in the Joe Rogan show is live your life like there's a documentary crew following you at every uh, stage Another mm. one that I've heard, uh, which I can't attribute it to someone, which is imagine that your grandmother can read what you did today in the newspaper tomorrow. I believe that might have been Daniel Pink
1: and The Power of Regret, perhaps. Right. right. So this idea of uh, react uh, how you react to things, whether you're going to be proud of perhaps that legacy.
5: Mm.
0: It's totally, It's it's such a good way to like, Cause a little bit of pause, like, okay, is if everyone could see transparently, mm. apparently what I'm doing right now, would that be okay? Mm. or Would I be like, eh, not so comfortable with, with that. Um, and that just brings us to this whole idea of, you know, asking yourself bigger questions about your purpose and your legacy doesn't emerge.
1: Yeah, that's right. And this next clip that we've got from Jonathan Fanning really helps break down a great piece of leadership advice that JFK actually received when he was in office. And I think it's a great demonstration of uh, a, a program or an action that all of us could do as we try and think about
5: what our sentence is. John F. Kennedy, 1962. Claire Booth Luce, in a conversation with JFK in 62, said, Greatness... Is one sentence she said you don't need to tell me who it is if you say he freed the slaves and preserved the Union I know it's Lincoln you don't need to tell me who it is if you say he got us through a Great Depression and he helped us win a world war I know it's FDR greatness is one sentence greatness is one sentence what do you think JFK wrote, or thought about after that? Put a man on the moon? Created the Peace Corps? Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Got people involved in making America great again? What do you think JFK wrote down? I don't know the answer. I don't think history knows the answer. But more importantly than that, What's your sentence? What is your sentence?
0: Big questions, Mark. I mean, when you put into uh, in context, uh, you know, what JFK did he turned everything around and said, don't ask what your country can do for you, mm. but actually spin that right around, invert it and say, what can you do for your country? Mm. This to me like reframe the relationship between citizens and government. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, in fact, you know, something that we've touched upon a lot, which is this idea of servant leadership about yeah. putting others before yourself and how this fundamentally changes the energy of the way a team works when rather than, you know, the boss, the leader, rather than them coming kind of top-down, top-heavy, um, you know, telling others what they do or what they need to do. In fact, great leaders say, well, how can I help you? What, mm. Where do you need support? And this reframing is, you know, it's both uh, servant leadership, humble leadership, but in fact, one of the things that we've seen big time in Moonshots is that great leadership often comes in making those around you feel perform and to be great themselves rather than you being the hero it's mm. almost the more you can go into the background the better in fact when jim collins did good to great this humility this servant leadership was one of the greatest consistent characteristics of the all-time greatest companies is that he would paraphrase it like he would talk to the ceo who created amazing uh, transformation lifelong legacy kind of stuff and You know, Jim Collins was like, I was shocked at how many times he heard this, the the things. Oh, it wasn't really me. It was the team. Uh, You know, all these other people, they did really gay. I was just like helping out a bit. Mm. This reframing of leadership, you don't have to be the superstar. You just need to be the supporter, the helper, the coach, the mentor. You are really judged by the greatness that you encourage of those around you. That's right. We've heard as well
1: with Elon Musk, he's very um, open with regards to building that great team around him. Like you say, with Jim Collins, uh, getting the right people on the bus, or
0: maybe I think that was actually Stephen Covey, all of these elements. No, 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 you're right. You're right. That was Collins. Uh, He talked, you know, get the right people on the bus and put them before yourself Mm. as a leader. But Mark, this also reminds me of Simon Sinek. You know, leaders eat last, don't they? Well, absolutely, and I think the
1: um, element that stands out for me as I, I think back to all these uh, in individuals who are within our moonshots library already, as well as what we're learning today with regards to how JFK utilized these tools and these mechanics to be an amazing leader himself, is this uh, empowerment. So that that speech or that line that we've just heard, uh, with regards to the sentence, "What you can do for your country." it spins it around and it empowers the individuals. And what I think the big takeaway for me there is once an individual from, let's say myself, once I feel empowered with work, I feel more confident with my abilities. I feel more connected to the work that I'm doing because the onus is on myself. The ownership is something that I have, Mm -hmm. but I also feel happier. I feel more content because I know that the work I'm putting in is dependent on me, on how hard I, I work. And therefore I feel part of something that's greater than just one individual doing something. It's part of that bigger picture that has a great benefit. And I think that's exactly where JFK was coming from with that fantastic line, what you can do for your country, because it connects everybody into one shared uh, maybe mindset or ecosystem everybody's driving towards that same goal, and I think that 's a wonderful demonstration that again, like you say we 've heard with simon sinek we 've heard with Jim Collins and others it 's all about getting people with the one vision we 're working towards that one goal we 're in it together, and once you do connect these these people, I think life is 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 more um is better <laughs> for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I mean, it's,
0: it's rewarding because when you've been generous and supportive to others, there is a, there's a vibe in the room, right? Mm. It's just simply that people feel good to be around you. They are grateful. They are thankful. And if there's a time and moment where you need a little bit of help, they'll be the first to help you because, damn, you know, Mark helped me out a lot. It would be my pleasure to return Mm. that. And I think that's something that you can build great leadership, great teams around. I'll tell you what, if you want to build a great team, you should really check out our website because there's a ton of inspiration for leaders there, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Moonshots.io not only is our store face where you can go and buy that amazing JFK T-shirt, which I'm in fact wearing as we record today's show. But you can also sign up for our newsletter as well as check out all of our latest episodes. And each episode has not only a way to listen to the show, but it's also packed full. And when I say packed, Mike, I mean, it's jam-packed with show notes, with transcriptions, as well as links to a lot of sometimes the models, the frameworks that we discuss in the show. So it really is a great compliment as you listen to the show to pop on over to moonshots.io, follow along, see the elements that we're discussing and how it can impact decision-making, leadership, entrepreneurship, and follow along with us because this is what we're doing, Mike. We're just learning out loud and everything that we learn, we're putting up on moonshots.io.
0: I agree. And if that all feels like too much, then, you know, there's something else you could do for us. You could head over to your Spotify or your Apple podcast app, whatever app you're using, give us a like, a thumbs up, a star, if you can leave a rating or a review, because Mark, that's an essential way that we grow the show, how we can learn out loud with more people all around the world is through your generosity to rate, review us, like us, star us. I don't know, are there any other types of rating or review that you can actually give Mark? (laughs) Well, you can
1: certainly leave uh, reviews as well as star ratings in our Spotify and uh, Apple podcast apps. You can Uh, listen to the show in many, many other plethora of platforms. But also, Mike, you can even sign up for the Moonshots Master Series over at moonshots.io, as well as built into the apps themselves now.
0: Well, there you go, everybody. You've got the world at your fingertips. So while you're listening, just open up your app, open up your phone, give us a star rating review. Tell us how you are enjoying the Moonshots podcast. And while you're doing that, I think we need to bring this one home, Mark. This is a 200th anniversary show. We're going to one of our greatest inspirators, John F. Kennedy. We're going into the heart of darkness. It's the Cuban Missile Crisis, 13 days where nuclear war was more possible and likely than ever before. This is the moment, and he stood tall and he showed us what leadership is all about. So, Mark, how do we bring home such an epic show? Well, I think
1: we've laid the scene perfectly. So, let's now jump into a great clip from Biography Online, which is breaking down how not only JFK demonstrated a number of leadership skills, but he also managed to build and change the relationship between the population of America as well as their president. So let's hear from Biography telling us why JFK was open to advice.
3: Kennedy presented himself as the anti-Eisenhower. And what he said
6: to the nation was, we need a young, vibrant, activist president. And it was the perfect campaign strategy. John Kennedy is elected in 1960, the dawn of a new decade. There's this great juxtaposition by a older president leaving office, and this new, younger, vigorous person succeeding him. And Kennedy, in some ways, was the first president to be a media creation.
2: And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you; ask what you can do for your country.
6: And so he comes into office with this young wife, these young children, and it's a completely different world all of a sudden, almost out of nowhere.
3: He was a reader, he was an intellectual, and that was a strength. He was also vastly inexperienced, and it took him a little while to get going. He, like Roosevelt, brought to Washington the smartest people he could find.
6: Character traits that President Kennedy had that I think helped lead to success was his willingness to take advice. You know, some leaders know what they know, but not necessarily know what they don't know. And President Kennedy understood that he was relatively inexperienced. And one of the really smart things he did was surround himself with really experienced people. One of the great strengths of Kennedy was that he was a young man and able to learn. There's been a lot written and said about President Kennedy and his leadership and his performance. And we can't help but wonder the extent to which some of that is perhaps overstated as a function of the way in which he was assassinated. But what we do know is that President Kennedy was a visionary.
2: I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. What would have happened if he had
3: lived? You know, historians will debate that forever. But we can only talk about the past. We don't know the what ifs.
6: And yet we can see that Kennedy was moving somewhere. President Kennedy put, for the first time, some electricity into the White House. People wanted to know what was going on with the first family. And I think helped fundamentally change the way in which people view the president. I think President Kennedy's lasting impact on the presidency was the way in which he made it seem larger than life, but he was able to create a narrative about the presidency and a narrative about his family that has endured for the 55 years uh, since his assassination
3: i would characterize the kennedy presidency as one of promise of unfulfilled potential but whether those promises would have been fulfilled we will never know so there
0: you have it i mean Mark, let us get fired up. He did so much as we discussed, you know, we we gave that that list of achievements, but the result of that is he redefined presidency. And by doing that, Mark, I want to swing big here and say he redefined leadership in mm. the modern world. I, I think you're you're totally right. I think learning
1: about the achievements as well as the impacts, but also the decision-making that Kennedy had to put into his career with regards to the Peace Corps creation, the Nuclear Arms Pact, uh, a little something about going to the moon. Um, you know, he, he, he certainly, <laughs> nothing was too ambitious. And what I think is so fantastic and interesting to learn and hear is just how much of a moonshotter I think JFK really was. Totally,
0: totally. This idea of growth mindset, right? Yeah, and Mike, you know, in that last clip that we heard then, he he was very inexperienced. So what did he do? He got great people around him. He learnt. He literally was doing his own moonshots podcast, (laughs) you know, and this is so inspiring because it tells us you don't have to be perfect. What you have to be is a learner. You have to have that growth mindset and you just keep going. And he made mistakes, you know, Bay of Pigs fiasco. But just in a few, two years later, he came back so well. I mean, what a comeback. One of the greatest all-time leadership moments, 13 days that changed history, he did it.
1: I mean, there are so many individuals that we've covered on the show, such as, you know, Mark Manson, the subtle art of not giving a, as well as, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Mike, but so many people who have really gone into this idea of grit and resilience, mm. not making decisions reactionary. And instead thinking much like Angela Duckworth would tell us, uh, with regards to her book and grit, having that passion, but also perseverance yes. to work towards getting the goal, mm. to getting mm. towards peaceful, perhaps resolution. I mean, this has got to be inspired by JFK's work, I'd say. I think you're right. Leadership lessons from JFK is impactful in not only the work that you and I do, but also a lot of the work that we can see coming through in a
0: lot of the individuals that we've covered on the show. Absolutely. So, with so much to digest, I wonder, Mike, what's your takeaway from this centenary I mean, show? There was a lot.
1: there there was a lot here. And I think it's probably one of our more uh, leadership orientated shows that we've done. I think Mike, for me, it's the sentence. What sentence Mm. could I look back at? Whether it's my grandmother saying it, or whether it's my grandkids saying it, what would be the sentence that I would be pleased for them to consider around me. And I think Mm. that talks to legacy as well as
0: actions and JFK certainly did both. What, what about you, Mike, what was standing out for yourself? look, I love so many of the themes like being present. I I think the the capacity to keep calm and not make an overly emotional decision. I think that was so distinct, um, Mm. about this, like cool as a cucumber and mm. I just I think about the internal uh, turmoil and stress I go through with big decisions, and then just I can't even fathom what it would have felt like to be in JFK's spot with nuclear missiles as the as the kind of tool for destruction. I mean, mm. man, that is such a remarkable feat. Very inspiring. So much to learn. So I want to thank you, Mark, and I want to thank all of our members and subscribers and listeners to what a joy to celebrate JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis on Show 200. And it started with his address. We went back to October 22, 1962, and what we saw there was keeping calm under pressure, was keeping that clear thinking at the ready. And as Ryan Holiday told us, he was in the present. And as we went and uncoded and decoded and pulled it apart, it really is a powerful tool to ask yourself, what is your legacy? What is going to be the sentence by which you are remembered? And if you ask those questions, you'll not only be calm, you'll not only be cool under pressure. you'll be gathering all the right people around you. You'll be open to advice. Do those things, those very moonshots habits. You'll be building the capability to realize your dreams to be the best version of yourself and that is exactly what we are all about here on the moonshots podcast that's what we're all doing together
3: listeners and members we are shooting for the moon that's a wrap